Welcome to the Genesis Church Podcast. We'll have more information at the end of the podcast, but for now, please enjoy this week's teaching. Our second scripture this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 24 to 45. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she remained in seclusion. She said, this is what the Lord has done for me in this time, when he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace I've endured among my people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what is spoken to her by the Lord. The word of the Lord. A big shout out to our scripture readers today. Gave you some robust texts. (laughs) But there's so much good stuff in those. I feel like we could, well, there's any number of sermons that you could hear on those. Um, In fact, I preached on this Luke text in 2020. And then last year as well, and I went back and looked at them and I was like, I went totally different directions all those years than than today, so there's just a lot of good stuff. But before we enter into some sermonizing, as Pastor Allie and I like to call it, I want to invite you, I know we're not doing prayers of the people right now, but um, uh, Bob and Jerry Timperley are gone today, and they have requested prayer for their daughter Nikki, who is... um, undergoing surgery. She has breast cancer. She's having surgery this week. And um, as much as I tried to push Jerry to receive some other support and assistance, she came back and she said, more than anything right now, we need prayer. Um, I think uh, they've, they've really kind of been in the weeds the last few weeks and going into this is, is, a, is a big deal. Jerry and Bob will be um, primary caregivers for their daughter Nikki as she recovers this week. So if you could be praying for Nikki and her family, for Bob and Jerry, for their extended family um, this week, I'd appreciate it. 
So, like Dan and Will said, this Advent we're considering the question, how does a weary world rejoice? And last Sunday's sermon by Pastor Oshida was so, so good. I was online and like the whole time I'm like, oh my gosh, there's another awesome line and another one. So if you haven't had a chance to listen, I encourage you to check it out on our YouTube page um, or on our uh, website. But she asked us to name our weariness and invited us into this quiet work of pondering this Advent season. So today we're exploring what it means to find joy in connection as we look through the stories of Mary and Elizabeth. We're going to engage our scriptural imaginations a little bit. And we're going to consider how joy might be found in connecting with one another, in connecting with God, in connecting um, with nature, with the universe, with our animal friends. And I wonder if you would just pray with me as we begin. God of the cosmos, illuminate our sacred, sacred scripture this morning. Nurture our hearts with your spirit and gather us closer to one another, to all of creation, and to you. Amen. Well, when we chose our Advent theme, it was kind of easy to relate to the idea of weariness. I think when we were looking at some options in staff meeting, at least for some of us, the idea of this time of year can have a lot of weariness with it, um, and it kind of settled into our bones a little bit. And I would imagine that everyone in this room and online have had your own share of strange detours and crises and debilitating struggles. Because even small pressures and setbacks can pile up. So I imagine it like you're carrying a backpack, and every responsibility that's added to you, every bump in the road, it adds another rock to your pack. And I know that we have some Genesisers who love rocks, so that might find, be like really enjoyable, but let's pretend for the sake of the illustration that these are like not cool rocks. They're like, I don't know, lumps of concrete maybe. Maybe that's better. But every bump in responsibility, it adds to that weight. Every deadline, every headline, Every cup of coffee that's spilled, every disappointment, there are these pebbles. And you add enough weight, and you suddenly feel your shoulders slumping, and your back aching under the stress. And then when big, heavy rocks of calamity and illness and unrelenting fear are added to the pack, wow, that weariness can really set in. And the questions keep coming, how in the world is this going to work out? Can even God make a way through this mess? Will this ever end? Will it ever be better? And when we're weary, it can be difficult to notice any joy in our midst. And then when we do notice it, it can feel like this disruption to our equilibrium sometimes. The other day I was watching social media reports from Gaza, watching them pull children out of rubble, and I can't even fathom that level of suffering. And it's just one more devastation in a world full of of hard and difficult situations. And then the next moment, I'm like sitting there watching um, the Santa Lucia performance yesterday, noticing how my own kid's face lights up when she gets to the songs that she really likes to sing. And I remember the lovely friendships that we made at that little church. And I thought about our friend, our dear friend, who just a few rows back was there with us. And he almost wasn't a couple months ago. 
And as the Lucia story is told about a young girl who went with candles tied on her head into the catacombs to feed the hungry people, my heart just ping-ponged between the grief of this world and the weariness, the despair that so easily creeps in, and these moments of joy and nostalgia and sweetness. Hope feels impossible when we are weary. Joy feels difficult to accept sometimes in the midst of the hard stuff of life. And sometimes joy surprises us, even when we're in the thick of it. And I don't mean a Pollyanna happiness that just pretends to cover over the hard stuff with some toxic positivity. Brene Brown in Atlas of the Heart defines joy as this intense feeling of deep spiritual connection and appreciation. It's rooted in our connection, and it extends beyond human relationships. And I loved that idea. I think sometimes we talk about how connection can only happen if it's us to other people. And for those of us who are introverts, I like the idea that we could find joy and connection outside of that. With nature, with the divine, with our beloved pets, with one another. Our first all play, I want you to consider a time that you felt or experienced deep joy, however you imagine that to feel. What was it like and who or what did you feel connected to? And I'm going to take my um, example of Pastor Allie and let the silence sit and not jump in with more words. So consider a time you experienced deep joy. What was it like and who or what did you feel connected to? Joan said yesterday they did their annual family outing to get Christmas trees, and she was said it was, I'm going to just insert a whole bunch of what I think it probably was, um, beautiful and lovely to be with her grandkids and her children and with Steve and to experience that annual tradition and live deeply into that. Mm. Mm. Nate is sharing that he meets weekly, you said? Weekly with a friend. Um, and in their conversation, felt a noticing that, oh, I don't think I've been experiencing joy as much lately, and I'm experiencing it now in this moment. Yeah, not all corniness and all... <laughs> All levels of very earnestness is welcome. So I know, um, yeah, that's welcome. So Will said playing a saxophone solo um, in front of a crowd of people, right? Is that right? Yeah. And playing a good one. Okay. All right. So yeah, it's your experience. You can put whatever parameters you want on that. So, and he played it well, guys, online. So he played it and did awesome.
Yeah. Regan said that um, for her, it's experiencing all that their daughter, Navy, um, discovers in, the, in nature and in the world as they spend a lot of time outside and the way that she can take um, a rock, a stick, and make something imaginative and fun out of it. Mm. Yeah, Michelle's, yeah. <laughs> um, Michelle said that when she was in, did you say high school or college? Both, high school and college. Michelle was on a couple of sports teams that had some amazing comebacks, and she said that it felt electric to be able to experience the energy in that space and to be part of a team with all variety of skill. Anyone else? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cassandra, um, Cassandra collects these little birds, uh, little bird statues. They're felt, yeah, from Target. And, um, and when I say collect, she's got a substantial collection. <laughs> And that brings her joy that she's engaging with something that's like for her and for um, kind of the child in her. And um, I know that when I go to Target and I see those birds, I think of Cassandra now, right? Because I know that that brings her joy. And then that kind of like multiplies me, my joy a little bit as I, so I'm like, oh, I bet Cassandra's got that bird. That's what I think. Yeah. So if you ever get an invite over to their house, you can check out their birds. There's always new, always new ones to get. Good job, Target. Good job. Good job. <laughs> well, in um, 2012, I found out I was pregnant with Freya, and I was astounded. It had been a real long and rough journey to get to that point. And I was completely shocked and terrified when I looked at that test, right? I was like, I just kept saying, no way, no way. And I was, I was like on the main floor by myself. And it was a Sunday morning, and it was super quiet. And I just was saying, no way. So I run up to tell Josh, upstairs to tell Josh. And he's like, I wondered, because you were really loud downstairs <laughs> talking to no one except, I guess, the universe, God. And we were so excited. We couldn't believe it. It was, like, so far beyond, even though, like, we were, like, trying to have this happen. And yet it was, like, mm, it had been a long time, a lot of disappointment a lot of crazy hormone stuff, so uh, it felt like it wasn't going to happen. And when it did, all of a sudden in my bones, I felt both elated and freaked out, disbelieving that something good that we had wanted was going to turn out. And our passage from the book of Luke today, it, it tells these parallel and intersecting stories of Elizabeth and Mary and their experiences of joy amid the weariness of life. 
And so we begin with Elizabeth's news that she is pregnant, and they say that she is advanced age, and I'm sure back then it was more than 35, which is, you know, a geriatric pregnancy now, or advanced maternal age, I'll say it in the correct term. <clears throat> Not that that was me or anything. <laughs> but we re- begin with Elizabeth's news that she's pregnant and is in seclusion for five months. So our next all play, five months of seclusion. What do we imagine is going through Elizabeth's head as she's in seclusion for five months? Now remember, this is a lot of scriptural imagination that I'm inviting you all into because we don't know. But that's like my favorite part of reading scripture is imagining all the stuff around it that we don't hear. So what do we think is going through her head? (laughs) Michelle said, what else can I put in this loaf of bread to make it exciting? Yes. (laughs) Hit the creaky part of the floor. Hmm. Is this going to come to fruition? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, her husband, Zechariah, is unable to speak during her pregnancy. So Dan is like, she's wondering, will somebody else please come talk to me, right? Because it's not like she can call folks up on the phone, right? Hmm. Was she experiencing foreboding joy? Was she consumed with worry that something terrible might happen? Was she protecting herself from those conversations of the folks in her community? Was she, like her husband, in a season of spiritual solitude as she's kind of nesting, maybe, and preparing for the birth of her son? And while we don't know much about Elizabeth's story, we do get some insight that she accepted these moments of joy within a time of a lot of anticipation. She says, Blessed am I that God has taken away my disgrace among my neighbors. That is some deep weariness for our friend Elizabeth. To know your neighbors have been whispering about you, to know your shout out of parts of family community life that you want to be a part of. It's painful to be around others if you want to be a mom and you aren't. In this change in her maternal status, her joy is is expanded at the end of these verses. But before we get there, we have this moment now when Mary enters the story. And we see her perspective as the angel appears to her, calling her the favored one, reminding her that she's not alone and that God is with her. And this dialogue between angel and the angel, Mary and the angel, is both proclamation and confused questions, right? So Mary's perplexed, I love it, as if she's just like, hmm, this is interesting, right? But Gabriel responds to her her perplexed questions, telling her that God can and has already done things that we think are impossible, including her cousin Elizabeth's impending baby. It's curious that when Mary hears that someone else will be experiencing something similar, a holy disruption, That's when she accepts the news. That's when she says, let it be according to your will. Because sometimes when we're in the thick of it, we just need to know that somebody else is standing with us in it. It's not only the promise that God cares for her, but that God is also creating a way for her to have actual comfort, 
to have relationship, to be cared for in a physical manner. It's like thoughts and prayers plus some awesome action involved. And Mary affirms her participation and she makes haste, it says. So she gets going. She's going to Elizabeth's house, which is probably more than like 80 miles away. So as Mary starts off on that journey, here's our third all play of the morning. What questions do you think Mary is asking in her mind as she journeys to Elizabeth's home? Well, yeah, will, will Elizabeth believe Mary? Yeah. Will the journey be safe? Yeah. Right. 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 I mean, she didn't have a what to expect when you're expecting, right? So she's just taking this journey on her own with all the weirdness that it does to your body and then to have somebody else who could do that with her, yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 Will said he wonders if Mary just keeps coming to that question of like, how is this possible? Can this really be happening? A little bit like me going, no way. <laughs> no way. I don't know if Mary is excited about Gabriel's message. You know, it's all speculation. But I would imagine that the idea of being an unmarried, pregnant teenager in Nazareth would have been, you know, not an easy journey to undertake. And as we like to say in our house, there would have been a lot of probably big feelings and questions. How lonely she must have felt. Even when you know that God is present with you, it can feel lonely. Many of us have felt that or are experiencing that now, all too, and we know that all too well. Maybe Mary was wondering how she's going to take that next step. Like, what are all the pieces that need to come next? Maybe she was exp- questioning her experience in the first place. Like, did that really happen? I love that Mary hears Gabriel's news and then she heads off to find out if it's true. Elizabeth offers her a safe place to land, a welcome into a new beginning, a crossing of a new threshold into whatever is next. And in her welcome, we encounter joy through connection, God's presence in the midst of a very weary journey. Mary took this big risk in trusting what the angel said, and she's given confirmation and affirmation from Elizabeth. I mean, what a relief she must have felt to experience that deep welcome and joy and affirmation that this, that what the angel said actually was happening to Elizabeth, that this was like the real deal. And it's when Mary sees that Elizabeth is pregnant and hears her words of confirmation that Mary welcomes this as God's work in her life. Weary from a long journey and whatever those unanswered questions are, 
Wary of the news the angel gave her, Mary experiences joy in that connection with Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is drawn out of her seclusion as well with Mary's arrival. What she believed was happening in her body is confirmed when the mother of Jesus shows up on her doorstep. And I wonder if we could lean into this pattern of recognition and response that we see in Elizabeth and Mary. They were surprised by the news of their pregnancies and even in the weariness of their circumstances were able to notice and to name where joy was popping up. As Scott Erickson says in Honest Advent, those same surprises happen to us as well. He says it's a surprise that life can come out of barren places. It's a surprise that meek nobodies take part in divine plans. It's a surprise that messengers are sent all along our paths, hidden from us in these difficult journeys of life to let us know we're not alone. It's a surprise that nothing can separate us from the love of God. It's a surprise when joy arises, especially when the landscape looks bleak. And on days when I can believe it, I am awestruck with wonder at the absurdity and the surprise of it all. And it's not how I expect it, I make really good plans in my head, but I'm routinely shocked at how things turn out. And some days, I really want a God that shows up and is going to, like, really kick some butt and set everything right, shaking off the oppressive weariness of our daily lives, and instead I get God incarnate as a baby. A baby and a promise that everything is going to be turned upside down. When you're weary, that radical promise is real difficult to wrap your mind around. Could we consider the absence of pain when that's what we know? Could we consider that peace could arise when it feels like there's so much constant chaos? It's all too much to hope for sometimes. This restoration and this liberation that the birth of Jesus ushers in. It's almost too much to hope for that we could be surprised by the joy that gathers us together. And when I find that hope in short supply, which I do and every pastor does, and if they tell you differently, (laughs) ask another question of them. (laughs) But when I find that hope in short supply, I turn to each of you. And I receive that hope and that joy back. I borrow it from you and we borrow it from each other. That's why we live a life of faith within community for the deep need in our bones to be reminded of and to remind each other of God's presence in our midst. And when we can't rejoice, when we are too weary to rejoice, we can carry each other's joy. Like our Isaiah text this morning, we can be part of giving God's comfort to and receiving it as well. We are merry showing up unannounced, hoping for welcome and proof that it's real. And we're Elizabeth in the doorway offering safe companionship across the threshold, stepping out of our own isolation and into connection. These women show us the very essence of what it means for us to be human, to know what it's like to be living in weariness and isolation and fear, to recognize the divine in one another, to welcome the divine in our midst, to celebrate and to hold on to hope in the God who dwells among us.
Joy arrives when the thing you dared not hope for aloud surprises you. Joy arrives when you get confirmation that this crazy thing that happened to you is true, or it feels like all the stars in the universe align and you are in the best place at the best time. Joy arrives when your spirit feels connection with another person as you share stories. Joy arrives when you realize that what once felt hopeless now seems a little possible. Joy arrives. And like Elizabeth, we can open the door and receive it. And like Mary, we can make the hard journey to find out if it's true. Would you pray with me? God of today and God of tomorrow, we come to you today to thank you for the way that joy can bind us together. We thank you for contagious laughter, for stories around dinner tables that can make us laugh until we cry. Thank you for the familiar sound of a loved one's laugh and for the universality of smile lines. What a gift you have given us. God, our text reminded us that joy gathers us. And so today we thank you in particular for the Elizabeth and the Marys in our lives. Thank you for the people who spark joy in us. Thank you for the people who pull us out of our shells who teach us how to dance and show us how to laugh. Thank you for those who declare, blessed are you. Holy God, although we know that joy is better when shared, there are days when it is easier said than done. Like Elizabeth, who stayed in isolation for months after receiving her good news, we too have a tendency to choose fear over joy. And without the help of someone at our door, we can often keep that joy to ourselves. So gracious God, when those days come, when the waters of fear rise, when isolation steers, steals our joy, comfort us. Comfort us like, our, like a shepherd with his flock. Gather us into your arms and carry us to safer ground that we might experience joy in the ways you have in store for us. And until that promised day like Mary and Elizabeth, we're going to do our best to keep finding one another. Like Mary and Elizabeth, we're going to do our best to open the door to one another, to you, and to the joy that connection brings. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Genesis Church Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion. Creating opportunities for our community to respond from wherever they are in their faith formation. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary and a church calendar because they anchor us in something which can hold us no matter what life throws our way. Our goal is to become ordinary apprentices of Jesus who are learning to love God, ourselves, and others wholeheartedly. If you have any questions or would like to connect with please us, please visit genesiscove.org.